Hey, this is Caleb Cole, pastor of Project Church in Sacramento. And man, I am so excited for you to hear this word. I believe God is going to encourage you, strengthen you, and challenge you through it. So get ready to receive from God today. Thank you, Chrissy. Stand with me, would you? We're going to read from Genesis chapter 11. I'm reading in verse number one. This is a story of the Tower of Babel. We are jumping back into a series walking through the book of Genesis verse by verse. Uh, I love this because we can't run from anything. Can't run from any topic when you're going through an entire book of the Bible. Genesis 11, verse one. Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens. And let us make a name for ourselves lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people. Everybody say one people. And they have all one language, and this is only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing that they purpose or propose to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and there confuse their language, so that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from there over the whole face of the earth, and they left off building the city. Therefore, its name was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth. And from there the Lord dispersed them over the face of all the earth. Today I want to share a word with you. I want to encourage you. I believe God is going to deposit something. You've maybe heard this story before. You've heard it taught. But I believe God's going to give us some fresh revelation today in this place. I want you to turn to your neighbor and tell him, I'm not just building. I'm being. Tell him, I'm not just building. I'm being. And you can be seated in this place. Project Church, tomorrow we kick off 21 days of fasting and prayer. Yes. So we want to encourage you that you would be praying, you would be focused in this season. Uh, these 21 days, we believe prayer changes things. We believe prayer is our power. That's one of our core values here at Project Church. And so I want to encourage you to be praying these 21 days, praying every day. But what we're going to do to help you with that is we're going to send out a devotional of the day every day for the next 21 days in your email for you to read through. It'll be a quick read, but it'll help you focus. There'll be a focus of the day for what to pray for. And so if you would like to get this, you can sign up. So there's the QR code if you want to snag it. Or um, if you get our weekly newsletter, the link is in there. Or you can go to the YouVersion Bible app and all of our notes every Sunday, just so you know, all the notes for the sermon are in the YouVersion Bible Bible app. If you click the menu, the box at the right, and then click events or live events, it's one of those two. And then you can snag, uh, tap on Project Church, and it's also in there. And so you can sign up, and you'll get this every day in your email, and then we won't spam you from there, okay? So 21 days of fasting and prayer. I just want to challenge you that you would pray. Um, you would give up something. I don't know, maybe it's giving up, you know, 
TV, maybe it's uh, sweets, maybe you're going to fast one meal a day, maybe it's one meal a week, maybe it's one day out of the week, uh, maybe a variation, but I just challenge you, it is a consecration where we deny our flesh so that we can focus on God. There's power in fasting, and uh, we believe there's power in prayer. So would you pray with us, church, 21 days fasting and prayer? It doesn't have to be like an hour a day, but maybe you just take a little bit of time and focus with us on praying, asking God to move in our city, and there will be a focus every day for you. So thank you, church. Um, we are in this series on the book of Genesis. If you were not here before last year, if you were not here last year, maybe you weren't a part of it, that's okay. Today is standalone. Um, I believe you'll get something out of it, even if this is your first time. But I want to kind of catch you up really quick. So let me do a recap. This is like when you're watching a show on Netflix, and the first minute they recap the last, like, 15 episodes, all right? So here's what's happening. Genesis 1, we see God creates the earth. Um, he initiated creation, the heavens, the earth. He makes man, um, and then he begins to walk with man. He is in communion with man, and then man falls. Adam and Eve eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They listen to the serpent, listen to Satan, and they are tempted. This causes a separation. Now, Adam and Eve have to leave the garden. Um, now sin enters the world. They realize they're naked. Uh, there's shame that enters the world. Death enters the world. And just following this, their own children, Cain and Abel. Cain kills Abel um, because his sacrifice was not accepted and Abel's was. We go from there and the people of humanity, Adam and Eve's descendants, begin to grow and, and, and disperse around the earth. And things get really bad. I mean, so bad that God says, I got to do a redo, a reset. And so he wipes out all of humanity. This is not a cute little Bible Sunday school story. He kills everybody uh, except Noah with a great flood. We can relate because we're in the midst of it. And, uh, and he, he wipes out everyone. And then leaves a rainbow as a promise, says, I'm never going to do this again. So once again, the people begin to grow, flourish. Um, they begin to disperse. And that's where we come to here in Genesis chapter 11. The people have been dispersed. They begin to travel around. And a group of them stop and establish themselves here in the ancient world. And so I want to share a message with you entitled, Belonging building, and being. Now, I understand the idea of building because I've built a lot of things in my life. But what I've never been good at is building things practically with these hands. I'm just not a handyman. My wife will tell you. Um, most things do not go well for me. But I remember early on in our marriage, we moved into our first condo. We bought it. It was an amazing moment. But the pantry had no shelves. And so we just had food on the ground. I said, babe, I'm going to handle this. We don't need to hire anyone. I'm going to build some shelves myself. So I went to Home Depot. I had the these metal shelves cut. I measured it, cut them, got the brackets, and I went in. I spent an entire day. What would have taken a normal person two hours took me five. But I went in and I installed the most amazing pantry shelves you have ever seen. And can I tell you, it was a great accomplishment of my life. And for the next several months, every day, I would say to my wife, look at these shelves that I built. I say, babe, aren't they amazing? And she would just be like, they're all right. And my wife is a words of affirmation person, but she was not that impressed, probably because they were not that impressive. But it's funny because the reality is 
We long to be praised for that which we build. Now, God made us to be builders. So I want you to hear me today, church. We are in a juxtaposition, even in this story, that God created you to work. That was the first command he gave to, to Adam and Eve. He said, subdue the earth, right? Work it, tend it, and keep it. You were made to work. You were made to build. And yet the juxtaposition is that our building is not meant to be for the praise of man. What was actually the first sin before Adam and Eve sinned? Satan sinned. And you know what he did? He was a worship leader that instead of allowing the praise to flow through him, he wanted it to come to him. And so he wanted all the praise for him. And so he said, I'm at the same level as of God. And he, he rejected God. And out of this, he was tossed out of heaven. And a third of the angels said, we want the praise too. And they were kicked out of heaven with him. The first sin was pride, church. And we struggle with it the same way. And as we look at this story, that is what is really happening here. This challenge that we struggle with to this day, that we build things. We were made to build things. You are builders in this place. I look around the room, so much talent, so much ability. Entrepreneurs, business owners, you've done some amazing things. And yet the challenge is that there's this inner turmoil within us that instead of allowing our building to have praise flow from us and to God, we do what Satan did, and we long for the praise to come to us, not through us. And you struggle with this, and I know that because I struggle with this. The praise of man is maybe the most intoxicating temptation that we will experience in this life. And can I tell you that in this day of social media, it's enhanced, it's magnified even more than ever before. And yet they were just like us. And if we look at verse 4, we see that this is where the sin was. That they aimed to make a name for themselves. It doesn't say they aimed to make a name for God. It says they aimed to make a name for themselves. Now, I want to give us some context because I think we've heard this story. We've read this story. I've heard this story preached, but I don't think it's ever been preached well, at least not that I've heard, because we don't really understand the context of what is being done. In the ancient world, they believed that gods made people for slave labor. So they had this perspective that they needed food, clothing, housing, all of this. And so they were there to create things and create a way for the gods to receive something from them. And so here's what happens. Let me lay out the context for you. They go to, Sh to Shinar, is what the Bible says, Shinar. They disperse, right? The, the humanity is growing. They're spreading out. And they go to this, this area called Shinar, and they begin to build a city. This is really the first time we see that the people who had been dispersed, they've been spreading out, they've been inhabiting all the land, that they go, okay, we're going to actually rally together. And we're going to build a city. And it's the first, like, great human accomplishment, which is the brick, and so now they figured out how to make bricks, and they say, all right, we figure out how to make bricks, we're going to make walls, we're going to make a city, and we're actually going to build a tower up to heaven. Now, we have to understand the context of this, 
because this is a southern Mesopotamian culture that they're in. And so this is an image of what the Tower of Babel may have looked like based on archaeologists and the timing and the day. Something like this. So here's how I've always heard it taught. They wanted to be like God, and so they built this tower to say, we are as smart and intelligent, intelligent, amazing, powerful as God, because we could even build a tower up to the heavens. That's how I've heard it taught. That is not theologically correct. So let me give you some context. In this day, this setting, it would have been something that they regularly built, these towers that were called ziggurats. Now, what was the purpose of a ziggurat? A ziggurat or the tower would have been placed next to a temple, a place of worship. And the purpose of the ziggurat or the tower was to be a type of stairway where the gods could come down from heaven through the tower or the stairway and into the temple. The tower was not made for people. It was made for the gods to come down or God to come down. And so the builders are trying to establish a sacred space. And can I ask you a question? What's wrong with that? And honestly, the answer is nothing. Like maybe it's a good thing. They're establishing a temple of worship and they're establishing a stairway for God to come down and then enter into this sacred space. This sacred space though was meant to be a place where God's name is exalted. Here's the problem. In Genesis 11, they make this ziggurat next to this temple so that their name is exalted. Because guess what happened? God sees their heart. And you needed to hear this because God sees your heart. And he knows how many of us and how often we are building things not to bring praise, adoration, glory to God, but we're building things so that we get the praise, glory, adoration to us. And that's what this story is really about. And so I want to talk to you about how we need to find the right things because we are seeking belonging in our building because we're still searching for who we belong to. And I wonder how many people in this room are builders and you're building and you're building and you're building things and you're building businesses and constructs and followers and followings, but you're doing it because you just want to belong. You're doing it because there's this hole inside of you that you're trying to fill and you think, man, if people see me, if they acknowledge me, if they praise me, if they say how amazing I am, then I'll finally feel like I matter. Then I'll finally find my value. But I wanted to tell you that we need to find the right things, the biblical belonging. So first, I got three points for you. After last week, I had 23 points. So here we go. Number one, you find your joy in the knowing and praising of God, not being known and praised by man. Listen, it may feel like when you get the praise 
of man and people acknowledge you and see you, that that is joy, but can I tell you that is fleeting. It is temporary. It is a hole in your cup. And if you become intoxicated by it, if you become thirsty for only that, it will continue to leave you lacking. That's why we must find our joy in the knowing and praising of God. Praise was not meant to come to you. It was meant to go through you. It's why I get off this stage often and people say, Caleb, great job. And I'm like, thank you. Praise God. It's all him. Because the praise is not for us. It's meant to go through us. And that's not just on the stage. That's in every part of your life. Every part. It says they aimed to make a name for themselves. I wanted to ask you, what gives you joy? What fills your tank? Because if you are constantly looking for people to fill you up, you will always be empty. Not only that, but I'm here to remind you what God saw. He saw their hearts. Can I tell you something else about those of you that are building just to get the praise, adoration, uh, uh, love of man? It's sin. Everybody say sin. What, Caleb, don't talk about sin in the church. No, no, we need to talk about it. Because this is our heart, and God sees our heart, and if our joy is in being praised, I'm telling you right now, that is sin. And we all struggle with this. I struggle with this. Every one of you in this room struggles with this. And I'm here to remind you that God sees through your heart. He sees right through your heart. And too many of us are drinking from the wrong wells. I know love language, uh, your love language is words of affirmation. And that's okay. Because my wife's love language is words of affirmation. And it's not bad to get words of affirmation, but is that the only thing that fills me up? If people don't praise me, do I still feel like I'm enough? If people don't tell me how I'm amazing, do I still feel like I matter? If people don't tell me that I'm a great pastor, do I still feel like I belong? Because I think some of you are wrestling with belonging, but you're wrestling with belonging in all areas of your life because all you're looking for is man to give you praise, for man to validate you. And I want to tell you, it is God that validates you. It is God that affirms you. It is God that says you're good enough. Even when you fail, even when you try to build and the building comes tumbling down that God says, you still belong. Because my joy is not found in being praised by man, but that I know and am known by God, and I'm here to praise him. That's why he made you. Not to receive praise, but to give him praise. To take any praise that you receive and to deflect it and redirect it and place it on the one that deserves it all. God is looking for co-laborers, not co-stars. And some of you want to be the co-star in the story. No, I'm not saying that you won't be a part of the building. I'm not saying you aren't the hands and feet of Jesus. But I am saying at the end of the day, it is Jesus that gets the glory. That's why we say at Practice Church, I know it would be easy to say, oh, Caleb, look what you built. You're the pastor of this church. No, no, that's why on, the, on our website at the top, it says, Senior pastor, Jesus Christ. Because this church is and always will be about Jesus. Any praise goes to Jesus. Any good things that happen are because of Jesus. So what were their sins? 
They were longing for man's praise. It says they wanted to make a name for themselves so people see us as something. Look at us. Look what we've done. And I know you can relate to this because a lot of you are like me. And you got a chip on your shoulder. A whole life I've had a chip on my shoulder. And a lot of my motivation has been, I'm going to prove them wrong. I'm going to show them. One day they're going to say, look what he did. Look what he's done. A lot of you in here, you didn't come from the right family. You didn't come from the right background. You didn't come with the silver spoon. You didn't have all, all the opportunities that others had. And so your whole motivation has been, watch this though. Watch what I'm going to do. Now again, this is the juxtaposition because you were made to build. You are made to work. So I'm not saying it's bad. What I'm saying is how often is our motivation bad? Is our motivation wrong? You see, I, I've had to work through it and I'm still battling through it. Of God, am I doing this? So that people go, look who, what he did. Look who he become or am I, became. Or am I doing this? Because I am here to do my best to bring praise to you. What I build isn't about me, it's about him. And I look around and I know that a lot of you relate to this because you're just like me. And you've been carrying this chip. You're like Michael Jordan, keeping track of all the haters, all the doubters, all the detractors. You got a long laundry list, that revenge list. And you're like, one day I'm going to show them all, say, here's the receipts. But our joy must be in simply being known by God. And the praising of God, not being known and praised by man. In a culture that is all about how much praise can I get? A fame-obsessed culture, a followers-obsessed culture, an influence-obsessed culture. And yet our joy is not found in any of that. Because can I tell you, I've gotten that at times. And it doesn't go away. The longing, the yearning, the emptiness, because only God can fill that, and only God can give you true joy. The second thing you need to find is find your connection through Christ-centered community, not commonalities based on what is passing away. What are you talking about, Caleb? Look back at this text. It says... That they aim to not be dispersed. I'd read this so many times that I'd never really dug into what that meant. Like one of their aims was to get the praise of man so that man would say, look what they built. That man would acknowledge how great they were. They aimed to make a name for themselves. But they also aimed to not be dispersed. And I began to think about this because obviously God wanted them to disperse. He was trying to disperse them around the land. Why? Because he wanted humanity to fill the earth. And yet they wanted to center themselves in a city center, build walls around themselves, and make a name for themselves. And here's what I found. I found that in today's day and age, we are trying to connect with people more, even in the, ch in the church, 
based on commonalities, which are passing away, than on Christ-centered community. And I just felt like I needed to tell you and remind you that you may look different and come from a different background. And we have different political perspectives in this house. We got left and right. And a lot of people somewhere in the middle. You may have a different skin color, but how often have we made our tribe the people that were common with common perspectives, common thinking, maybe even common skin color based on things that are passing away rather than in Christ, we are in Christ-centered community, meaning our brothers and sisters are in Christ. And we need to do better at building community in Christ. I'm not saying you don't have things in common. You don't connect more with those people. I mean, let's be real. I connect way more with the Kings fans in this house than the Lakers and the Warrior fans. I just do. Because we understand what real suffering looks like. We understand what real loyalty looks like. But those things are fleeting and passing away. They don't matter. So may I be committed to my brothers and sisters in Christ, even when we differ on perspectives, even when we differ politically, even when we don't see things the same because we are different. And yet we're one. The Bible says, maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. The house of God, Christ-centered community, is about building a house of unity based on the peace that comes only from the presence of God being in our midst. And so today, I just wanted to remind you that you would seek connection in Christ-centered community, not in just commonalities. I believe there's too many, and I'm going to call it the men for a moment. You are closer men in this house with other men who do not love Jesus because you have commonalities in which sports team you're a fan of or which hobbies you pursue. And I'm here to challenge you that you would begin to develop Christ-centered community and relationships above any other commonality that you might have. Ladies, that goes for you, but I just think you're better at it than us. The language was divided by God. So I've, re- I've, I've come to this story so many times, and I always, this part bothered me. So I'm like, God saw that it was, you know, nothing they put their mind to would be impossible. And I'm like, what? God, what? I don't get it. Why are, you, why are you doing this to them? Why are you doing them dirty, God? They're just trying to build a tower. They're just trying to have a city. They got bricks. And he divides their language and separates them. And as I began to dig into it, I realized that it was again God looking at their heart. And sometimes God may separate us from people we've been close to for a long time because their heart is not connected to him the way that it's meant to be connected. And we, we don't realize that, that light cannot have right relationship with darkness. There's always going to be something separating us. There's always going to be something broken. And I was reading this, and I was seeing that God saw their heart. And it wasn't just that nothing would be impossible for them. I think a better translation is that they would continue to do that which would break God's heart. Not just what was impossible for them, 
but that which would continue to break his heart and be against his plan. And so he separates their language and separates them as people. And to this day, we wrestle with what I love is the diversity of this church, of God's kingdom, and yet we wrestle with it. Because can I tell you, while diversity is beautiful, diversity is hard. And that's why in diversity, we must keep Christ at the center. Because Christ is what bonds us together as brothers and sisters. No matter our background, race, political perspective, none of that matters when we're centered on the person of Christ. Doesn't mean we don't still have the hard conversations. But it means we must find the right things. They were just aiming to not be dispersed. And God said, I see your heart. I see through your heart. I need you to have the right connections. And that's what God is saying to us today. And finally, if we're gonna belong biblically, we have to find security in a God that holds us, not security in what we've built. It says they aimed to build a city and a tower. What was their aim? Building. What was their aim? What they could build. And I wonder how many of us in this room are looking for and striving for and longing for security, but it's simply based on what we are building on this earth. If your only aim is to build for building's sake, can I tell you, it's never going to have the fruit that could it have if you're building it with a right heart and right intentions. And that is that I'm not building for me, I'm building for him. And here's what's crazy. I'm secure whether I build or not. I'm secure whether what I build fails or succeeds. I'm secure and I'm accepted whether what I'm building blows up or blows up in my face. You see, we find our belonging, too many of us, in our building. You only feel like you belong when you've built something. You only feel like you belong when you've succeeded at something. You only feel like you matter, that you're validated, that you're loved, that you're accepted when you've done something well on this earth. So many of us are searching for those things, value, belonging, validation, based on doing. Listen, early on in ministry, preaching was crushing for me. Every night before I had to get up here and present the word of God, I was at turmoil within myself. And I'd be up half the night, three, four in the morning, asking God, like, God, can, should I call someone? Can you just send someone? Can you just kill me, God? Just take me. I can't do this. It's too much. And, and what was crazy was I had months and months and months of this. And every Saturday night, it was like I was, I was, broken in my spirit. I was in turmoil within me, wrestling with, with the, the weight of delivering God's word. And I tried to make it 
really spiritual. I was like, oh, I know why. It's, it's because, because I just feel the weight of how important this is. His word is just so important. I just feel that weight. And that's why this is so hard for me. And I'm in so much turmoil. And then one night after months and months and months of me wrestling with this, God spoke to me. He said, Caleb, the reason you're having such a hard time is because you only care about what the people think. He said, you just care about what they're going to say about you. You want them to think you're great. You want them to think you're wise. You want them to think you're intelligent. You want them to think you're a gifted orator. You want them to think you got it all together. And God said, stop thinking about what they think and be obedient to what I'm telling you to say. All that matters is what I say about you. All that matters is what I think about you. And I'm not even kidding, not that I've been perfect, but since that day, I've been delivered. I sleep like a baby on Saturday night's church. I've built, I'm not saying, again, building isn't bad. The juxtaposition is that we're called to build. So all week I'm building a message. I'm constructing a word. I'm coming up with illustrations and points and studying the, the theology. But then at night I go to sleep soundly. Why? Because I know that I'm going to share what God has given me and I'm only doing it for the praise, the adoration, the glory, the honor of one. Not for what I can receive, but for what I can release to him. I don't want the praise to come to me. I want the praise to go through me. And so after the first service, everyone felt so weird telling me it was a good word. They're like, Caleb, is this all right? Like, it was pretty good, but all glory to God. You kind of, yeah, God spoke through you well, Caleb. Yeah, okay, good. Nailed it. Our belonging has always been in our being. We belong because of whose image we were made in. You see, the point of the Old Testament is to remind us of the pattern of man and the pattern of God. That's the point of the Old Testament. It's an Old Testament meaning covenant. Old covenant, New Testament, new covenant. Somebody just learned something new. Here's the pattern of man and God. It's a simple pattern. Man sins. God brings judgment because he's a good judge. And then God releases mercy. That's the pattern of the Old Testament. We sin. God brings judgment. And then God brings mercy. Why am I telling you this? Because this is the pattern that continues to this day. You sin, there's judgment, there's consequences. He's a good judge, a just judge. But thank you, Lord, for your mercy. For his mercy is new every morning. He releases mercy on you. And so today, I, I wanted to tell you this, because you're secure, even though your pattern is the same as the Old Testament. You sin, you sin, you're gonna wake up tomorrow, you're gonna sin. And God brings judgment. But thank you that Jesus came because now there's mercy. 
and the mercy comes in and it meets us where we are. And it says, it's okay, you messed up. Get back up, keep going, keep building. You, it's okay, you built for your own praise. Next time, may the praise stop coming to you. Let it flow through you and send it up to me. Some of you have been receiving the praise that was meant for God for years. You've been building simply for the praise that you can get. And God wanted you here to say, it's time, it's time. It wasn't meant to just come to you, go through you. Go through you. God, I want the praise to go through me to you. And, and, and I want to be real because I, I sometimes let the praise just stop at me. Because I like it. It feels good. So can I just challenge you? In the ancient world, I told you, I'm gonna close with this. They believed that the gods needed things. They needed food, clothing, housing. And in this way, they believed that if they met the needs of the gods, the gods would in turn meet their needs. Protection, safety, provision. So there was this transactional codependency between man and the gods, the gods and people. And the people here, I told you, they're actually trying to establish a sacred space. And so I said, it wasn't bad that they built this ziggurat, this stairway to heaven for the gods to come down and enter into the temple. They're trying to establish this. The problem is it was a means to their own end. And so God actually sees this. So it, it actually works. You guys see that when we read it? They build a tower, the Tower of Babel, as a stairway, a ziggurat for the gods to come down into the temple. And it works because God sees it and God says, let's go down there. It works. So God comes down, but then he rejects their initiative. Why? Because their initiative was done from a wrong heart. Their initiative was about them receiving praise, about what they could get and not what they could give. And so God sees this act, which could have been good, and he rejects their initiative. And here's what's crazy. This is in chapter 11. In the very next chapter, chapter 12, he actually says, I've seen your initiative and I reject it. And I'm actually going to start my own initiative. And in chapter 12, he calls a man named Abraham. Abram changes his name to Abram. He says, I'm actually going to make you a great nation. I'm going to establish a relationship with you and your descendants as my people. You see, in Genesis 3, it goes all the way back to the end. This is all linked. You see this? Genesis 3, they lose the sacred space that they had. Where was the sacred space? In the Garden of Eden where man and God met together regularly. It says that Adam walked with God in the cool of the evening, which is a great encouragement because I'm not a morning person, so I can do my devotions at night. Morning people, I love you. If you want to do your devotions at night, it's okay, Adam did it. But there was a sacred space in the Garden of Eden where man and God were able to meet and be together in communion. And then sin enters the world, 
Adam and Eve eat of this tree, reject God, and now there's a separation. And so it's natural for us to long for this sacred space, a place for us to meet with God. It's natural. And so the people go, here's our initiative, build this tower, God will come down, but it's really gonna be so we get praise, so we get something out of this relationship, and so God rejects it. He says, I don't like that initiative, but I'm gonna start my own initiative. He said, I'm gonna establish a relationship with this man, Abraham. His descendants will become my people. Out of this people, there will be one that will come. His name is Jesus. And he will become the final act of my initiative where he dies a death and takes the place of all the sacrifices so that now this initiative is not for one people group or just two people. It's for all people, all mankind to be in perfect, close relationship with God. The sacred space initiative has been recreated by God through Jesus for you for me so here's what I realized in all of this that until you learn to just be you're going to continue to build for wrong reasons and so I, I came to tell you just be I know you're builders but can we just be for a moment You've, you've tried to build, you've tried to build so much and you continue to build, but can you just be? What do you mean, Caleb? Just be sons. Just be daughters. Just be, why? Because God accepts you just as you are. You don't have to do more, accomplish more, build more, achieve more for God to accept you. He accepts you right now where you are, at your lowest point, on your worst day, in the middle of your mess. He accepts you and all he's wanting is for people that learn to just be. Just be with me. We're trying so hard to build and we're building for wrong reasons. But to be honest, I think a lot of us are building because we just want to be accepted. We want to be validated. We've been rejected our whole lives. No one saw us. But today God wants to say, I see you. Just be, just be sons, just be daughters. Stop for a moment, the juxtaposition. I know you want to build, but stop and just be. You know what's crazy? My, my daughter, she just turned eight day after Christmas. And she'll come to me and we'll be watching a movie and she'll snuggle up to me and lay on my chest. And I'm all about it. Just lay on daddy's chest. She wants kisses and hugs constantly and I'm about it. Kisses, hugs all the time. She snuggles up to me every chance she can get. She asks me to carry her all the time and, and I do it willingly. But I found myself doing something different with my sons. You see, when they started to get a little older, they would do the same thing. My son would come up and like snuggle up next to me and there was this reaction with me. I don't know why. And I'd be like, yo, get off me. And I, I, it's funny, but it's not. Because there is something in me that wanted to reject him I don't know, because he's a boy? And boys shouldn't do that? 
And God's been working on me because he, he told me and he, he wanted me to bring this to you today because he said there is a church and a generation that feels like that. They've been rejected by the men in their life. They've been re rejected by mothers. They've been rejected by fathers. They've been pushed away and said, don't act that way. Don't be that way. And yet there's a father that wants to be with you the way my daughter wants to be with me. And he's a father that wants to be with you the way I want to be with her. And so this is also a reminder for fathers because God's been working on me. He's like, you need to give your boys as much affection as you give your daughter. When they get close, you pull them in closer. But what I sensed was in this room, there is a spirit of rejection. There's a spirit of, there's an orphan spirit on so many in this culture and in this day. There's a spirit longing for validation. And there's a God that's saying, just come get close to me, lay on my chest, just be with me, draw near to me. I want relationship with you. And so what we're doing is we're trying to build and build and build and build. Why? So we get what God gives freely not because of what you've done, how successful you are, but because he sees you as his daughter. He sees you as his son. And today God wanted me to tell you, just be, just be close. Stop building for a moment, just be. Learn to be before you strive to build. Heads bowed around this room, eyes closed. I just want to give you a moment with God. If you're here, you say, Caleb, I don't know Jesus. I've been running from God. I turned my back on him. I've tried the things of this world, tried to do it in my strength, my way. But today I know I need to surrender my heart to Jesus for the first time. I need to rededicate my life in this place. If that's you, I want you to lift your hand. One, two, three, go. If that's you, hand up. Yes, one, two, three, four, five. Anyone else? Six, seven, I see those hands. Anyone else? Put it up right now. Yes, eight, I see that hand. You can put them down. Second thing, I think there's a group of people in here. You've been building and building and building and you're longing for the affirmation and the praise that only God can give. You've tried to fill the void with people. You've tried to fill the void with how people see you. But today you're like, Caleb, I, I, I know that I need to learn to just be, just be a son, just be a daughter. Stop for a moment building and just learn to be with him. If that's you, why don't you lift your hand? Come on, real quick, just slip it up because I know this is for a lot of you. Yeah, yeah, I see, I see so many hands. I see so many hands. You can put them down. Would you repeat this prayer after me? Everyone here say this with me. Say, Jesus, today I receive you into my life as my Savior. I ask you to change me, forgive me, make me new. Help me to learn to just be a son, a daughter. I love you, Jesus, and I receive you. I love you in your name. Amen. Come on, church, stand to your feet right now. Here's what I want us to do. Our prayer team is going to make their way forward. If you need prayer, you can come. But I want us to sing this. We're going to sing, you deserve the praise. He's worthy. His name. The praise flowing 
from us to him. Come on, lift your voices and declare the worth of our God. Give him your praise today. Come on, sing real quick before we go. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to the Project Church podcast. We pray and hope that this message encouraged you, built you up, and gave you life. We want to ask that you would invest right now in what God is doing here in downtown Sacramento. We've just recently moved in to our all-new building in the waterfront, Old Sacramento District. We want to ask you, if you'd like to give, you can go to projectchurch.com forward slash give to invest. Let's see all that God can do through us.